Well, good morning. Welcome to our continuing Bible study in the uh, Gospel of Luke. We're in chapter 20, and, and uh, we, we're still in uh, Luke uh, 27 through verse 40 here. And uh, kind of to keep things in context, the, the, the Lord has been interacting with some, some folks and, and uh, the chief priests and the scribes uh, tried to trick him into saying something against Caesar, render unto Caesar the things that be Caesar and unto God the things that be God. And, and uh, he dealt with that uh, situation. And then the, the next thing we find is this this uh, group called the Sadducees were a sect of a religious sect that were in existence at that time and there were Essenes and Pharisees and Sadducees there were the priests there were the elders and all these different religious entities and the Sadducees uh, had a strict view of only uh, looking at the Pentateuch the first five books of the of Moses and they didn't believe in the resurrection or angels or anything really spiritual and so this group comes up to him in verse 27 in Luke chapter 20 and then came to him certain of the Sadducees which deny that there is any resurrection and they asked him saying master Moses wrote unto us if any man's brother die having a wife and he die without children that his brother should take his wife and raise up seed unto his brother and there were therefore seven brethren and the first took a wife and died without children and the second took her to wife and he died childless and the third took her and in like manner the seven also and they left no children and died and last of all the woman died also therefore in the resurrection whose wife of them is she for seven had her two wives so I try to put him in a trick here and ask him an impossible question and and it was kind of like we're pretty smart to have figured out this and and uh, give us the benefit of your learning on this subject. <laughs> and Jesus answering them said, The children of this world marry and are given in marriage, <clears throat> but they which shall be accounted worthy to obtain that world and the resurrection from the dead neither marry nor are given in marriage, neither can they die any more, for they are equal to the angels and are the children of God, being the children of the resurrection. Now that the dead are raised, even Moses showed at the bush where he calleth the Lord the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, for he is not a God of the dead, but of the living, for all live unto him. And certain of the scribes, uh, another sect, answering said master thou hast well said uh, he took care of those ignorant Sadducee guys <laughs> that was well said and after that they durst not ask him any question at all and so that's the context for our our uh, scripture today and, and we kind of went through that uh, <clears throat> we brought to everyone's attention that in Matthew's account when they asked him that in Matthew's account he said you do err not knowing the scriptures nor the power of God, and then we looked at those two fundamental errors that that religious folks of all ages have fall victim to the two things they they don't know the scripture 
they can read the words, but they don't really understand the spiritual meaning of them. And you don't know the power of God. Those two things you're erring in, and if you, all of your everything you have is based on those two errors, then yeah, you're, you're going to have problems. And so and we looked at some uh, scriptures uh, dealing with that, and and so we wanted to spend some time kind of aligning our I guess the point of this lesson is to align our perspective with who and what we are as far as the resurrection and in the resurrection everybody wants to know well who what way why when and where you know and 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 the scripture tells us that the when is not for us to know right now and the when will be <clears throat> When the last sheep is saved, then the Lord will return and all these things will take place. And so we're not going to delve into all the millennial aspects that, because it says no, no man knows when this will happen. But we can know the who. Uh, Christ said, because I live, you shall live also. And we have eternal life in him and, and in the resurrection, he will be the the first of many brethren and the what and we're kind of looking at a little bit the what does it how does it things occur and what will happen and how and and why and we're just going to look at the scriptures that that briefly tell us about the thing and one of the things that we looked at was um the the issue, the things about God because the scripture says when he comes we shall be like him <clears throat> so in in order for us to understand uh what will happen in the resurrection we need to understand a little bit about God that he provides for us in the scripture and what do the scriptures actually say about the resurrection so number 1 we know that God is eternal and uh, and God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. And and the Psalms say that uh, He's very great, and He's clothed with honor and majesty, and covers him, Himself with a light as with a garment, and stretches out the heavens like a curtain. And then we looked at Genesis, and when God created something, it was good. It was, and then it, in Genesis one thirty one, it says, when He had made an end to creating all things, He said it it was very good. And then we have the the fall that takes place, and and kind of uh, creates a different situation, and and the cursing of the earth and the ground, and and. So that causes us to look at our present conditions and speculate about what is to come and 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 base our trust in God and that he doeth all things well. So so what we we wanted to look at last time was what we don't know and what is not revealed at present and two scriptures point out that mystery of what's not known but we're we are told concerning the wonder of it and in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9, uh, it says, But as it is written, I hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. 
And, and as Norm pointed out here Wednesday night in Ephesians, we have all spiritual blessings in Christ, but, but we can't fathom the depth of that. We can't fathom the full scope of all spiritual blessings in Christ. Uh, it's just overwhelming for us, and, uh, and we get a glimpse of it, and whatever he reveals to us is so wonderful. And in 1 John chapter 3, verse 2, it says, Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. doesn't appear, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And so uh, kind of a change that we, we noted a little bit in Genesis chapter 1 and in uh, verse 26 and 27 that says uh, God created man in in his image created he him and uh, <clears throat> then we find in the fall uh, Adam looked at himself and says well I'm not like I used to be <laughs> I'm naked now and and I'm afraid of God where I used to be fellowshipping with him and all those things that occurred in the fall and and since we're we're all the product of Adam and his uh, seed, then we all uh, inherit that that disposition. And it's impossible for us in this life then to comprehend an existence without sin and without the effects of sin in us and in our life in this world. Everything we have is impacted by that. Uh, my hearing's not as good as it once was, and. I I used to be a lot taller and more handsome. <laughs> but now look at me. <laughs> and all all because of shrinkage and, and old age setting in, you know, and and uh so we we have these things that we're faced with uh in the world and and the Lord says, "Cursed be the ground," you know, and and we're always dealing with that. You know, we talk about weeds and insects and things that try to thwart us and everything we do, and and uh, and our very bodies are affected by disease and imperfections and uh, all things that have their roots in sin uh, from the very beginning of the fall. And you know, Paul wrote of that very condition and seeing that the world then was very good in its creation and now and everything about it is totally impacted negatively by sin and the fall and and resulting in the situation that we're now in. In Romans uh, 8.22 he says, We know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. Everything is impacted by that, by the fall, and our physical circumstances, our appearance, and being in this world are all impacted and affected by sin. And how we will be in the world to come in the resurrection will be quite different when sin is taken out of the equation. And so we we looked at some things about that, and and how uh, we gave some examples of when at the Mount of Transfiguration when Jesus was went up on the mount and he was transfigured before the, the some of the apostles eyes and and his face did glow and his his apparel was white uh, as light and there appeared with him uh, Moses and Elias and 
and who spoke with him about his deceased that he should accomplish at Jerusalem and uh, so it was different remember Moses when he was exposed to God and he came away and his face kind of glowed and and it scared everybody so he had to put a veil on <laughs> so he was just near him you know he had uh, it kind of a osmosis effect I guess we might say uh, so <clears throat> And we looked a little bit about marriage and how it was a picture of the lamb and the bride and what it was supposed to be a typical uh, picture of in in uh, the Old Testament and and how we'll be known in the in the world to come. We're given a white stone. It says in Revelation, and we covered that uh, that stone was from a Greek uh, jury system where if there was a trial, they were they would vote with a, a stone, a white stone or a black stone. A white stone meant you were, you were okay, you were innocent, and a black stone meant you were guilty. So, kind of led to the blackballing that we are probably more familiar. You get blackballed out of something they don't want you. Uh, so that's kind of where that comes from. And <clears throat> so we are starting to look at some scriptures that talk about our future existence and. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we'll do some reading from 1 Corinthians 15, beginning in verse 35, where the apostle writes, By the Spirit, and as we have borne the image of the earthy, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. It's sown a natural body, there in verse 44. It is raised a spiritual body, there is a natural body and there is a spiritual body, and Then we skip down to verse 50. Now I say this, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doth corruption inherit corruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. Well, we shall not all sleep, but we all shall be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, for the trump shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruption must a corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. Uh, or that quote from Isaiah 25.8. So as part of our view of perspective here, that when we're born again, we come to realize that 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 death is just a, a change and it's not a it's it's not the end it's just a a, a change and uh, death doesn't have the the doesn't present the fear to us that it does to the the natural man it doesn't present the the same issues to us because Paul said well. To live is necessary for you, but to die is to gain. <laughs> he said, but it's better for me to be here with you because I, I still have some work to do here according to the purpose of God. And <clears throat> he says, but it would be better if I, was, if I was dead and I would be with Christ. So <clears throat> uh, as we look at these, the things that we want to examine a little bit are what has to take place for us to transition from how we are now to being equipped to handle eternity. 
because right now it's the flesh and blood can't inherit the kingdom of God. It's not suitable. It's not. Uh, it's not able. It's it's uh, in the wrong. <coughs> uh, the wrong way. It says <clears throat> the form that we are now in is a being that's constrained by time and human physical nature. After the the new birth, <clears throat> we begin to understand and to look at things from a spiritual perspective that is really born out of eternity. And you know, Paul looked at himself and said, "Who shall deliver me from this this body of death?" He recognized that the body that he occupied. <clears throat> Uh, he in this world he was a he was really a spiritual being that occupied a body in this world to accomplish the purposes of God, and he kind of looked at it that way, and he wrote that way as I, I, who shall deliver me from this body of death and uh, <clears throat> in Hebrews again, we looked at that in Hebrews chapter two about how the 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 children are partakers of flesh and blood, so Christ himself also likewise took part of the same. Uh, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil, Hebrews 2.14. And so we looked at the fact that uh, in in God's view, we were, we were his before the foundation of the world. And Isaiah 8.18 8, says, Behold, I and the children whom the Lord hath given me are for signs and wonders from the Lord of hosts, which dwelleth in Mount Zion. And, and we're often fond of quoting... Uh, uh, Jeremiah and other scriptures said, I've loved you with an everlasting love. That just didn't mean I started loving you from the moment you were born or the moment that you were born again. <clears throat> I loved you from eternity. I gave you to my son to redeem in the covenant of grace. Called you by the gospel. All those things that are incorporated in the resurrection is kind of the final part of the puzzle that comes together in the mystery of godliness <clears throat> that uh, uh, how things will be in the eternal uh, spectrum. <clears throat> in Second Corinthians chapter four verse seven, we have this treasure, this thing that from comes from God. We have it in earthen vessels. Second Second Corinthians four seven. We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us, so that we understand that. <clears throat> Nothing that we could do in this flesh or this uh, body that could could present us spotless in front of God. We have this. We have to depend on Him in in everything. <clears throat> Job understood clearly that he was in a condition, according to God's purpose in this world, which was a, a temporary condition. And he said, in Job chapter ten, verse eleven, he says, "Thou hast clothed me with." skin and flesh and fenced me with bones and sinews thou hast granted me life and favor and thy visitation has preserved my spirit and then a little bit later in chapter 14 he said if a man die shall he live again Bring, brings up this question of the resurrection <coughs> and then he says all the days of my appointed time will I wait till my change come isn't that an interesting I just that scripture is just so interesting to me that that he recognized this that he was in a temporary condition and waiting waiting for a change to come and so he he put up with a lot of things job the trials of job are kind of synonymous with uh, uh, 
a lot of bad luck coming your way. But in the end, the Lord takes care of him. Uh, Peter, in Second Peter chapter 1, verse 13, says, I think it meet, as long as I'm in this tabernacle, in this body, to stir you up by putting you in remembrance, knowing that shortly I must put off this my tabernacle, even as the Lord Jesus hath showed me. So he knew that his time in this world was drawing to a close. But he says, then I'll just be in a different world, in a different dimension, in a different realm with Christ. He says, but in the meantime, I'm supposed to, I have a job to do. I have to stir you up to remembrance of the gospel and what Christ has done for you. Uh, in 2 Corinthians 5, 1 says, we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. <clears throat> for uh, In verse 4 says, for we are, that are in this tabernacle do groan. While we're in this body, we groan, being burdened. Not for that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon that mortality might be swallowed up in life. We, we have this, we're in this body that's subject to this realm, this dimension, this time, these conditions. And it's subject to all the natural laws that affect it. Uh, in Hebrews 11.13, it says these, in that great faith chapter, he lists all those ones that are uh, by faith, by faith, by faith. Uh, and it said, these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. That word uh, is only found in uh, Hebrews and First Peter, actually. Uh, para epidemos which is translated as either pilgrim or stranger in this particular verse that we just read from Hebrews and in First Peter <clears throat> sometimes he refers to them as strangers and sometimes as pilgrims <clears throat> but that word is, is a, a compound word formed from two Greek words para and epidemio which are defined as an alien alongside of a resident foreigner. And when Peter wrote, he wrote to a bunch of primarily Jews that had been kicked out of the there where they had previously lived and were scattered throughout. Remember, they were scattered throughout Pontus and Galatia and Cappadocia. And they'd been evicted out of Rome. They'd been evicted out of the homeland and and chased off and scattered and were strung all over the the world at that time and, and they were they said well we're in this country but we're not from here <laughs> and isn't that what the scripture tells us in John chapter 17 it says these are in the world they're not of the world even as I am not of the world they're in the world but not of the world and that's the perspective that Jesus presents us. Uh, interesting verse in Philippians chapter 3, uh, verse 20 and 21. Philippians 3.20 says, For our conversation is in heaven. Our, our manner of life is what, what that really means. Our, from whence we, we also look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body 
according to the working whereby he is able to even to subdue all things unto himself. And this term, vile, is an interesting word. It means, it suggests that our bodies in this world exist in a depressed state. It's kind of what that word means. Our bodies exist in a depressed state. They're, uh, they're affected by the things of this world. And, and then it further states in this verse that this condition must be and shall be changed. He shall, he shall change our vile body. <clears throat> uh, and, you know, when we think of vile things, we, in today's language, it kind of gives a negative connotation of all manner of evil, corruption kind of things. Something is vile, uh, smells vile, looks vile, but it really has to do with just a function of the condition that we're subjected to in this world because of sin and the fall, uh, our vile body. <clears throat> and so it says it must and shall be changed, and changed is from this Greek compound word indicating that a transfiguration will take place over the circumstance, the position, and the external condition in which we now are. This kind of a, a, a long sentence that means... Things are not going to be the same, and they can't be the same because the condition that we were in is not suitable for the condition in which we will now or soon find ourselves in. Uh, that's what Job said. I'll wait till my change comes. <laughs> I'll patiently wait until my, my all the days of my appointed time. I'll wait till my change come. And and again, we looked at when God created it was good and. <clears throat> Then, in the sin and the fall, the effects of that that were that the world and in man resulted in many flaws, imperfections, deficiencies, weaknesses, defects of which unbelief is the, is the worst. Now, all those things are kind of the opposite of God, and that's where we come from in the natural sense because of the fall. But imagine, if you can a former body with zero defects, without sin, without the effects of sin, presented without spot or wrinkle, a spiritual body, as it said in uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 44. Not like the seed of Abraham, it says, but like kind of like the angels. <clears throat> uh, in Matthew twenty two thirty says they're not given in marriage, but are as the angels of God in heaven. We can't really imagine how we would be if we weren't impacted by thousands of years of sin that's in, impacted every atom of the world. <clears throat> you know, Paul, Paul wrote in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12 about an experience. And he said, I knew a man in Christ about 14 years ago. <clears throat> and he said, whether it was in the body, I cannot tell, or whether it was out of the body, I can't tell, but God knows. Such a one caught up to the third heaven... And I knew such a man, whether it was in the body or out of the body, I can't tell, God knoweth, how that he was caught up into paradise and heard unspeakable words, which is not lawful for a man to utter. He said, of such a one will I glory, yet of myself I will not glory, but in my infirmities. He said, there's nothing really to glory about in my present condition. <clears throat> but he says, the body that Christ gives me 
in the resurrection and the things that will happen then, he says, that'll be to the glory of God. That will be something worth glorying of. <clears throat> in 2 Corinthians 4.14 says, Knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up us also by Jesus and shall present us with you. So those things are, are in the in the works. And we skip down to verse 18 there and we're kind of skipping through some verses here because of time constraints. But uh, in 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 4.18 says, we come to this perspective thing again, knowing what we know. And and we don't know everything, but we know enough. While we look not at the things which are seen, there in Second Corinthians four eighteen, we don't really look at the things that are seen as the permanent situation. We look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal. But the things which are not seen are eternal. And so, thus, we, we must be changed to exist and to thrive in an in, eternal environment and uh, nothing to wear out, no disease, no nothing to de- debilitate, everything in perfect harmony. We can't even imagine that. You know, things being in perfect harmony, everything working uh, the way that God intends it without the impacts of of sin. Uh, and we, we kind of find a metaphor for that in the Old Testament where in Deuteronomy chapter 29 where he says uh, in verse 5, I have led you 40 years in the wilderness. Your clothes aren't waxing old. Your shoes didn't wear out. What a, what a wonderful picture that he shows us he he's able to subdue all things unto himself, able to give you a pair of shoes that never wears out. Yvonne has to replace hers that she walks in every six months. She grinds them down to nothing <laughs> on the pavement, you know. and that's not forty years worth. Uh, and it says in Exodus chapter uh, sixteen, verse thirty-five, the children of Israel did eat manna for the same forty years that they wandered in the wilderness. They ate manna until they came to a land inhabited. They did eat manna until they came to the borders of the land of Canaan. In Revelation 2.17 it says, it talks about the hidden manna, that whoso eat of this bread shall live forever. Uh, and John Also in John 6.58. So things that God provides that have an eternal picture. Uh, eternal life there in, in John 3.15 whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life eternal life then is a really it's an integral part of the element of the gospel there and the result of saving grace and I think the apostles got more trouble preaching the resurrection than if you go through the book of Acts they were always in hot water for preaching the resurrection <laughs> because people didn't they, they didn't like it, the consequences of it uh, <clears throat> So saving grace and the incorporating effect of the elect into the realm of eternity are really sovereign prerogatives of God which he promised according to his own will and purpose. And uh, 
You know, in, in Acts 13.48, when the Gentiles heard that gospel, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord. And as many as were ordained to eternal life believed. So all these things were encompassed into that uh, ordination into eternal life and belief. And then we looked at what things are eternal. Well, God, righteousness, truth, light, life, all those things we looked at in the last lesson. And... and if we're to be like him, then all those things must be incorporated into us as well in this change. If we're going to if we're going to be like him, then we must assume cer- certain qualities that we don't have now. Right now, we're changeable, we're malleable, we're subject to effects of time, and and that won't be a factor. Then time is like a bubble in eternity in which the elect and the non elect dwell until the purpose of God causes them to be drawn to him or forever separated. There's only those two outcomes. <clears throat> the the vessels of mercy that he afore uh, prepared for glory will be drawn to him through the gospel and, and the effect of saving grace on them or the others, uh, the other ones that the vessels of wrath afore prepared uh, under under his wrath or in the other bucket <clears throat> forever separated in our in our human nature we have this finite point of beginning then a series of events which we relate to in an increments of time rel- relative to our b- beginning we have birthdays and, and we we have uh, somebody's not muted out there anyway uh so we have these things that we relate to. You know, we get a year older. We get uh, we work so many days, and then we get a vacation of this length of time, or we get so many hours of sick time. Everything we do is related to <clears throat> increments of time and <clears throat> and relative to our beginning. And and to us, time is always like right now, and <clears throat> and. Tomorrow really doesn't exist, although in our minds we count on it as guaranteed. We expect it to occur, and on time we plan for it. Norman's planning to jump on a plane the 14th at a certain time of day and fly, hurdle through the air in an aluminum tube, as we say, and, and land in Florida. And He plans on that time frame being pretty reliable <laughs> and trustworthy and <clears throat> uh, and thus we we look at all things that way and but you know Augustine uh, one of the early church fathers said time is the means by which redemptive history is fulfilled that's the purpose that it serves uh, in God's uh, eternal purpose and for God time is an instrument to accomplish his eternal purpose but we'll be transitioning from that into an eternal perspective that time is irrelevant in that in that realm and <clears throat> opposite to our nature and being all of god's attributes are as eternal and unchanging as he is light and life and truth and righteousness and everything else about him and about us will be contained in those truths. In time, he utilized time uh, 
for the redemption of the church in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son made of a woman made under the law according to his purpose. God has expressed his righteousness in his son who is light and moves in those to whom he gave the son to extricate them from this darkness that in which they exist into this entirely different circumstance where there is no darkness there's only light in the revelation it says Christ he's the, there's no sun there's no anything Christ is the light and and we've been called out of darkness into that marvelous light sovereignly called out of darkness into his marvelous light and so this darkness is a temporary function in time for the elect and Light is an existence in eternity that will always be there in Christ. Darkness is outside of God. Light is inside with God and is God. That's what uh, uh, 1 John tells us, that this is the message that we have heard and declare unto you that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. Light and true eternity can only truly be understood spiritually after the new birth. And we, <clears throat> we don't really have time to go into it now, but we've looked at the spectrum of light and know that we can only see a pretty small portion of it in, with our na- naked eye. With our, we, we can look at a spectrograph and see that the, the frequencies of light go off kind of eternally in, in all directions, and but we we can only see uh, a little spider there. Uh, the seven basic colors and some fifty some variations of of those, I think. And uh, <clears throat> so, but <clears throat> the light that we get from Christ is it's it's there, but it's simply not observable. Without the new birth from above, we we can't see it because we're in darkness. A spiritual light that we we often speak about. <clears throat> uh, in Him was light, and life was the light of men. He says, but because of the fall, men love darkness rather than light. That's where our natural inclination is to be drawn to that that darkness until we we have the new birth, and then we're drawn into the light and and. <clears throat> then that affects how we perceive God versus how we perceived Him beforehand. And now we're starting to look at Him in more of an eternal uh, situation and and how He operates and what He is. Uh, Psalm 50 says, You thought I was just like you, but I'm not. <laughs> you thought I'm like you and I can be manipulated like you. You think that I'm persuadable. You think that I'm changeable. You think that I'm evolving. You think that I view sin... Uh, subjectively based on changing opinions, tastes, or feelings like we have now. He says, but eternally, it's I've always been the same. I change not. And one of the factors that we look at God is His, his, his love is unchanging. I've loved you with an everlasting love or an eternal love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I, have I drawn you from Jeremiah there and and in Malachi, I change not, therefore you're not consumed. <laughs> if I was changeable, you would all be toast, but I'm not. And So there's many scriptures that talk about the unchangeableness of God. There's many scriptures that talk about 
uh, all the attributes of him and and how they're all related to his eternal nature. But I guess I would like for us to view, have our view of eternity change from being screened through our experiential nature, the distortion of time and the effects of sin, and kind of try to look at them from a a spiritual perspective. Paul said that now, after we're reborn, after we're saved, we see through a glass darkly. We have a glimmer of it, but we we see through a glass darkly. But then, face to face, he says, Now I know in part, but then I shall know even as I am known. And again, in Second Corinthians 4.18, While we look not at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen, and take our view from, from that, from the eternal things. In our flesh and here and now, we see with the eyes of flesh, which can physically only relate to the dimension and sphere of time in which we exist. Remember that in one of our previous Bible classes, we talked about uh, an episode that happened in, in 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 17. Uh, and Elisha had a servant, and they were surrounded by the enemy. And the servant, he was uh, panicking out. <laughs> and Elisha's, well... Calm down. Everything's okay. And he says, but look, they're all surrounding us and we're going to be killed. And, and in Second Kings 6.17, Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. They were there. But with physical eyes, he just couldn't see them. He had to have a spiritual eyes opened up by the Lord to see what was there all along in that dimension that he he couldn't really see. And, and of course, uh, you all know the outcome of that and what happened to those folks. But So the natural man looked for things which can't be seen because they're hidden, they're obscured by the darkness of sin. They look in the Bible and they just see things which they can relate to in this world and not being born again from above. Jesus said, unless you're born again, you can't see the kingdom of God. You can't see it in the scripture, you can't see it in the world. <clears throat> and the natural man doesn't receive those things. And the more light we do get, the more we see our how much we can't see. <laughs> the more we know, the more we know how much we don't know. And uh, we depend on Christ to to take care of that for us and trust in Him. And so as time goes by and as we become like Christ, we too must become unchangeable as opposed to this condition that we exist in now where we're always changing. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. We're delivered from the power of darkness and translated into the kingdom of His dear Son. means we're translated. Uh, it's an interesting word. means to be transferred, carried away, deposed, which means to remove suddenly and forcefully. Uh, we have translators over on the mountain across the river there that take electronic signals from Portland in the... VHF band and 
translate them into the UHF band and rebroadcast them. So they come in in one form instantaneously or change to another form and rebroadcast it out. Um, I like that hymn. uh, I think I mentioned this the last time. uh, Bottom of page (laughs) 7. Praise the Savior, ye who know Him. Uh, And the chorus is, Then we shall be where we would be. Then we shall be what we should be. Things that are not now nor could be, soon shall be our own. When in the twinkling of an eye, a mystery, we shall all be changed. So in our closing verse here, and then... uh, comes from 1 Thessalonians 4.14. We didn't quite get through all of the scriptures that I wanted to today, but it says, If we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. We won't be ahead of them. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. So with that, be comforted, be free eternally, and thank you for your attention. And it'll be a, a couple weeks till we're... Next week we're having uh, brunch, so we won't have Bible class next week. So thanks for your attention. Be free.